Phil Stuckey, welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. I'm super stoked and excited to have you on today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, you are the owner and author of some super uncomfortable workouts. So uh, I can't wait to dive into that, that creative flow that comes with creating all that nastiness that you do for everyone following your, your workouts and getting their sweat on. Um, but before we dive into your journey and into that, I've got a starting question for you. So what does it mean to you, Phil, to chase discomfort? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, really excited to be here. Uh, to me, chasing discomfort is, is all about going, going to where you're not really ready to go. All right, so I, I like to like to live leave every day where I feel like I got a little bit better than I was the day before, and the only way to do that is to step outside the comfort zone, uh, whether that's in in business in a workout, um, and that's uh, that's ultimately how I would encourage most people to to try and tackle every day. Just push outside the comfort zone, just a touch. Um, and at the end of the year, you'll be amazed by how far you've come. Yeah, great answer. Great answer. One percent better every day, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, where did it all start for you? Let's, let's dive into the page briefly, and then we'll do a sort of recap. But you, um, as I said in in the intro, you are the author of some notoriously uncomfortable <laughs> workouts, which is fantastic. It's a it's a great page for anyone listening. Uh, I strongly recommend you go and check out the Proving Grounds uh, page. I follow it on Instagram, uh, and yeah, where does this where does this nasty flair come from? From all these uh, crazy uh, work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, as you called out, uh, I'm the founder of Proving Grounds, which started uh, about five years ago, um, where I had this this feeling I needed to share. Um, core belief of mine, which is that all things are possible with heart and hustle. Right? In other words, everything is possible through passion and hard work. And at the time, I really didn't have an idea for how to convey that, communicate that. Um, so I said, okay, let's start an Instagram page, just see what happens. And I started posting what you would call motivational content. It was some cool pictures with some quotes that I liked over it. and. And I kind of kept rolling along for a couple of years and the, the page got a couple thousand followers. So, so people were liking it, but uh, after a while, there's only so many times you can put a quote over a picture and, and feel super excited about it. So I was starting to kind of lose my, my passion for it. And I was like, okay, this, this needs to, to pivot into something more meaningful or else I'm just gonna let it be. Right? And I was even on the cusp of trying to sell the page to someone who wanted a couple thousand followers. Um, and we were on, the, on our way to a, a ski trip and I was sitting in the passenger seat and I just started writing workouts. And I like suddenly rediscovered this passion I had for programming. Right? Because on the one hand, it's, uh, it can be really structured and analytical, but on the other hand, it can be extremely creative. And it was just like this perfect combination of the two for me. Where I was like, "Hey, this is pretty cool. Let's let's see if the people that follow Proving Grounds are into this at all." And so I posted a workout, and the response was pretty good. And so then I was like, "Okay, you know, let's let's try this a little bit more consistently." So it became once a week, um, then it became a couple times a week, and now it's to the point where every single day 
we're posting a new workout um, and maybe gaining a reputation for, for putting out some pretty pretty hardcore programming in the meantime. So I've got a very important question for you. Do you, do you road test all the workouts first? So uh, I did when I was the, uh, let's say, the main programmer. Um, I I wrote the workouts for let's say the first year. If you if you scroll back in time, you'll you'll kind of see where where it changed workouts. And the, the first year that it was primarily me, and I fully believe that a good coach does their own programming. Right, it's, it's the only way that you can say what I what I'm writing for you is valid. Um, but a couple months ago, I realized that in order to take the next step for the page, that I needed to remove myself a little bit from the details of day-to-day -day and uh, writing all of the programming. Um, so I brought in a buddy of mine who's much, much fitter than I am, um, and he's road testing all the workouts now, uh, which allows me to, to focus a little bit more on the, the marketing and branding side of things. Cool. So we will come back to this for sure, but this rewind it, this take it all the way back, and um, this, this recap on your journey. So this go all the way back to the very, very start, day one. Whereabouts was you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Zweibrücken, Germany, uh, which is about uh, four hours west of where I live now. Um, time I worked for Adidas at Adidas HQ in uh, Bavaria. Um, and so have, have had the fortune of kind of coming coming back to, to where it all began. Um, but I was born in, in Germany when I was five, moved to the States, um, and then basically grew up in America, and then came back to Germany when I was 23, and, and have lived here for the past five years again. Cool. And have you, have you had like an athletic background growing up? <laughs> uh, ironically, not at all. Um, so, in, in high school, I was in what's called a uh, drum line. So any, anybody listening from the States uh, might know like what, what marching band is or what drum corps is. Uh, that was me, um, which you could say is like a little athletic, but it's definitely not you know, what, we, what we talk about when we talk about uh, CrossFit or, or functional training. Um, and when I started going to university, I had to find a way to finance that. So I joined the National Guard and had to go through basic training and had to meet all of the PT standards that the regular Army does. And that's when I started getting into fitness. Um, started lifting weights, typical like bodybuilding type stuff, um, and really fell in love with it. Um, and then throughout university, uh, that became like my, my primary uh, stress relief. And basically consumed all of my free time um, to the point where at some point I was a, a personal trainer at the university gym. Uh, I was volunteering at the strength and conditioning department and I was a CrossFit coach um, all on top of being a student um, just because I, I, I fell so in love with what it did for me as an individual. And then uh, as a coach, being able to share that with other people was just amazing. Mm. I'm interested in the crossover from the bodybuilding to the CrossFit or the functional fitness world, because um, that was the route that I went down. But how did um, how did that sort of change for you, or how did you first get into CrossFit? 
Yeah, so I started, um, let's say, becoming aware of CrossFit uh, as, as Rich Froning was kind of climbing the, the pedestal. So this was like um, 2011, 2012. Uh, and honestly, I just loved the way these guys looked. I was like, this is the aesthetic that I want. Um, and these guys are able to do incredible things, right? So it's, it's one thing to be a bodybuilder and to, to cut weight for three months and get down to 3% body fat. Amazing, great. But these guys, at the time, ate like crap, but looked like a Greek statue, right? So it was like, oh, it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Um, so I started doing CrossFit kind of at my own at, a, at the university gym, which really wasn't kitted out for, for CrossFit type workouts. Um, but I couldn't afford joining a, a box at the time. And, and then over time, uh, I started reaching out to affiliates in the area, did an internship at one, eventually started coaching. And at that point, you know, I, I had access to the equipment to, to do it right. Um, and, and, you know, learned all the, all the, high technique things that, that are needed to do well in the sport. Um, so I still, I still love bodybuilding and typically if I, if I have a full kit to choose from, uh, I'll do like eight weeks CrossFit and then a couple of weeks of bodybuilding and I'll, I'll go back and forth a lot. Um, and to me, there's no, there's no one is good. The other is bad because you seem to get a lot of that stigma. Um, they are both legitimate training tools depending on what you're after. And that's, that's something we heavily incorporate into, into our programming. Um, you'll see a lot of bodybuilding stuff and, and the accessory work. Um, because if you, if you have that foundation, that, that strength and hypertrophy foundation, uh, it really unlocks a lot of things for, for your functional fitness as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of, it rings a cold with me really when you say, uh, there's a, there's an image that I can picture of Fronin, Kalipa and, um, Matt Chan. And it's I know quite, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's quite a famous <laughs> black and white picture of the guys just standing there tops off, probably just post-workout and they're absolutely shredded and pumped. And, you know, to anyone to sort of be admiring of, of the work ethic and hard work they've put through to get to that. Um, it, it, it is quite a, yeah, it's an inspirational picture where if you think like, you know, like you said, the guys that do the strict bodybuilding hard cut diets that, you know, are measuring out how much water they drink per hour or, you know, weighing every last gasp of white rice and chicken and broccoli or, or whatever it might be uh, for these guys that are just smashing through thousands of calories a day because they literally are working at super high intensity and they need everything they can get on board. Um, so yeah, that, that gave me a little shot down sort of memory lane really. It's, it's um, quite a famous picture over here as well because the recent um, UK national champ, um, he posted, he was in a men's health over here. And in the article, he said that that was the picture that got him into CrossFit. Um, mm. So yeah, very iconic picture for sure. Well, this was in the States, right? Yeah, this was all in the States. Uh, I studied at Virginia Tech, um, and that's that's basically where my, my fitness journey began. Virginia Tech. Okay. 
so that um what, that's that's not the uh, I'm getting confused. That's not the tech that Fronin and Bailey was at, right? No, it's Tennessee Tech. Right. Although there, I have kind of a funny story about that. Um, my my now wife, uh, I think fiance at the time, we were gonna go drive down to Texas to visit her family, and it's a long drive, like 24 hours if you do it straight through. So we leave in the middle of the night, and um, she took first shift and I take a nap in the car and I wake up and of course we're in a, in a Chick-fil-A parking lot, um, which is like a fast food restaurant in the States. And I'm like really groggy, starting to wake up and I look at these banners on the side of the street that says Tennessee Tech University. And I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> Kelly, where, where are we? She's like, I don't know, some place called Cookville. And I freak out in the car and I'm like, Kelly, pull over right now, cancel the trip. We need to go to CrossFit Mayhem. We need to go see Rich Froning. And she was like, no, honey, we're going to go see my family. If you really want to, we can stop on the way back and see if we'll see Rich Froning. And so that's, that's exactly what we did. Um, on the way back, instead of going straight through, we decided we'd stop in, in Cookville for the night and then the next morning we would go to CrossFit Mayhem. Um, and if, if the CrossFit gods should smile upon us, we might see Rich running. Um, so, so we go in and, you know, he's not there. Like, okay, that's fine. You know, let's, let's do a drop in. And we finished the class and then we're kind of hanging around buying shirts and all of a sudden, a black lab runs through the door and I was like, I've seen a black lab on YouTube. Like I know what's about to happen. <laughs> and through the door walk Rich Froning, Jason Kalipa and all of team USA were there preparing for invitationals. And I was just like, it was, it was an unreal experience. I mean, the guys were super chill, super down to earth. Um, but the, just the fact that I had a chance to shake hands with them, get a picture with them was, was amazing. Mm, good timing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, for, for those listening that are not that familiar with the sport, Rich Froning is arguably the, the biggest legend uh, to come out of the of the sport. Um, he, he was the poster boy in the early days uh, and is still competing in the team division now. Uh, and Cookville was almost like a hotbed of champions when you when you had obviously Fraser and Tia Claire Toomey. Uh, training out of there as well. So, um, yeah, real mecca of um, top, top, well, world elite CrossFit athletes. So, uh, yeah, nice little place to drop in. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, how did, uh, how did the page sort of really take off for you? You know, was there a defining sort of workout or moment or was there a, a particular share or an athlete that got involved or... Where did it sort of come from? Yeah, I I would like to say that there was like a moment where we went from ten thousand to eighty thousand overnight. Um, unfortunately, that I think that's a an Instagram myth that you can just kind of blow up in an instant. Um, honestly, it was a lot of and has been a lot of very consistent effort in, in trying to make that happen. Um, so like I said, the, the initial piece was, was mostly built on 
let's say motivational content. Um, and then at a certain point I realized, okay, these, these workouts are taking off. Um, it's adding value to people's lives. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, what, what could this be? Right. Right now it's, it's just a, a hobby and one guy posting workouts on a page, but could this become something more? And at that point I started reaching out to some friends uh, to see, you know, would you be willing to support if we decided to release a training program? Uh, who can help in terms of programming? Who can help in terms of content, et cetera? Um, and, and over time I found kind of a, a small team who, who is really dedicated to the, the mission, which is teaching others that all things are possible through heart and hustle, um, that, and that knew their stuff. All right, so, and, and since then it's been like a very focused effort to say, okay, how do we, how do we take it from 50,000 athletes to 100,000? How do we get more people to subscribe? Because only if people subscribe can we even consider doing this full time. Um, so it's, uh, to answer your question, it's been a, a long focused effort um, with, this, with still a lot of the journey ahead of us, but um, I'm extremely humbled to, to see where it's at and, and to see all of the, the positive feedback that we get on a daily basis. I, I love that tagline, Phil, all things are possible with heart and hustle. Um, where's that philosophy blossom from? Where, where does that sort of what what caused that to grow what what you know what was the basis behind that yeah it's uh tough to tough to pin down to be honest um i think it's a little bit of nature and a little bit of nurture so there are a couple couple things that i can point to in my history where i say that helped strengthen or affirm that belief in me um for example, like my my dad and I, we always used to watch the movie Rudy, right? I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's about a, a kid from a, a coal mining family who wants to go to the University of Notre Dame, who's the number one university for American football at the time. And not only does he want to go there, he wants to play football for them. Right? But this is some uneducated kid with no athletic gifting whatsoever. But he's so determined on it that he is willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Right? And so he applies multiple times. He gets tutored, studies day and night just to get into the university. Great. And then he gets in and everyone's like, dude, you did it. You beat the odds. Like, who are you to be going to this prestigious university? And he's like, I'm not done yet. I want to play football. Right? And everyone laughs at him again. And then he's, you know, trying out for the team multiple seasons and eventually gets onto the team. And there's this, this amazing moment at the end of the movie where he gets to actually run out onto the field as families in the stands. And he's like fulfilling his, his dream since he was a kid. And that we watched that so many times for me, like, and I think every time we watched it, it kind of reaffirmed if you can believe it, if you want it bad enough, you can do it. Um, that's maybe just one small example, but I, I think I was 
naturally drawn to those kind of things and then it was also kind of affirmed through, through experiences like that to where uh, now as an adult it's just my core belief it's how I live my life if I want something and I'm passionate about it I believe that I can do it and I believe the same thing goes for anyone else out there and uh, that's really what we're trying to to accomplish with Proving Grounds yeah it's it's a training program, right? But what we're trying to do is to show our athletes that if you want something bad enough, and if you're willing to put in the work, then you can have it. Hard work pays off, right? Hard work pays off. Yeah, it's, it's, um, there's a famous quote that, uh, and I forgive, I forget who actually who offered it, but um, it, it really sort of rings home to me. But if you find your passion, you never work a day in your life, and uh, you know I'm a true believer in passion. Uh, when I when I look at people, I really want to see the fire burning strong, you know, mm. behind their eyes, and that fire stoked in their belly. And it's very easy to spot someone who is passionate and who isn't. And uh, it's it's such a great value. And I, I feel like um, I, don't, I don't know if sorry is the right word, but I, I feel. Um, it's tough for me to describe it right here, right now, but some people spend all their lives and don't find their passion. And and to me, that's kind of sad um, because, you know, I'm not saying everyone should do CrossFit or everyone should hammer themselves in workouts or whatever it might be, but, you know, just to find that, that thing that you're super passionate about and, you know, like it doesn't matter whether it's four o'clock in the morning, you'll jump out of bed to do it or you're, you know, you know just to find that... Um, that true passion uh, gives you so much of uh, an extra kick in life and, and can carry you through onto great friends. So, uh, yes, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big thing for, in, from my point of view um, to have. So you talked about, you know, the guy in the film having his dream and his end goal. Um, currently, what's, what's the sort of dream or end goal for the page? Where do you see it going or where would you like to see it going? Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's maybe two perspectives that I'd, I'd take on this. One, one is an example that I can, I can share of a message that I got recently where someone said, hey, I don't subscribe to your programming, but I just wanted you to know that I was recently diagnosed with a disease and the workouts you post on a daily basis Help me get through the day. And that to me was like, that's it. Like all the work that's gone into the page, all the late nights, all the weekends, it was worth it for that message. So if I look at where it should go in the future, I would say I would like to, to be that force for good for more people. Right? Um, again, having people say, hey, through you, I learned that I could do things that I didn't think I was capable of. Right? And these workouts helped me to live a better life. Right? That's, that's ultimately what I'd like to do through the page. Um, so that you could, maybe you could call that our, our mission. Um, in terms of making that a 
like tangible reality. Um, there are, there's like a certain milestone that I've set for myself where I say, okay, once we hit this number, you can consider doing this full time. Because right now it's just a lot of nights and weekends. Um, and I, I know that as soon as I am able to take that step and invest full time, um, I know the thing is going to blow up because I'm going to go from one to two hours a day to eight to 12 hours a day. Right? Um, so I, I expect to see that, that 10x return. Um, and that's, that's really where all of my energy is going at the moment is getting the page to the point where I can comfortably tell my, my wife and daughter, hey, we're good financially. We're going to take this step. We're going to trust that uh, good things are going to come. I can see you getting emotional there in that answer. And, uh, you know, it's a sign of your passion shining through. But, you know, what, um, what, what sort of um, – can you just sort of sum up really you know, how those types of messages and positivity that you get back from your followers and your athletes that are doing your workouts. Can you sort of sum up how that makes you feel? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I, that I pray for every morning is that I want to be a source of, of light and love in the world. Um, and and getting those messages just helps me show that I'm on the right track. Um, I want to leave things better than I found them, and and knowing that what I'm what I'm doing here every night is is helping someone on the other side of the world in ways that I can't imagine or foresee um, helps me helps me get through through tough times when I. When I'm tired and I'm like, hey, I really don't want to be doing this right now. I'd rather be hanging out on a couch with my family. Um, it's, a, it's a good reminder of why I'm doing everything that I'm doing. Yeah, it's, what, what you guys are doing, it's a, it's a fantastic resource. Um, you know, I, I predominantly program for myself, but every now and again when I get sort of a programmers missed or uh, I, I want a quick Metcon that I haven't got to worry about, programming too much um you know i'll jump on your page and there is a plethora of stuff for me to get well and truly uncomfortable with um, and <laughs> yeah you've you've Perfect. left you've left me on the floor dripping with sweat, thinking that my lungs are going to burst um at, at any point. and that's that's, well, that's the feeling that i love um i used to i used to sort of post workouts that i'd call the soul snatcher so you know what's what snatched my soul that week, and uh, yeah, I can I can contest that you uh, you you guys have got a great resource in programming and, and bringing the best out of athletes because um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, phenomenal workouts, and I don't say that just because you're on on the podcast. You know, I've tried them out for myself, and will continue to do. Um, and I recommend everyone go, go and check the page out and get involved where they can. Perfect. I appreciate that. Yeah, for as many people as, as reach out and say, hey, I really like the workouts, I'm sure there are dozens that are like lying on their back somewhere in the world saying, God, I hate this page. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll have to come up with a, a chase and discomfort proving grounds workout for the future that we can um, get a really nasty one to get the guys on their knees and wheezing on the floor. Um, for, for me, that, that rush of uh, endorphins that you get post-workout, um, you know, I've, I've said this before on podcasts and I'll say it again, if, if you could bottle that feeling, I think you'd be arriving Jeff, Jeff Bezos, you know, you'd be, you'd be hunting in the trillions. Um, so it's a, you know, I'm a fantastic believer in, in physical health, not just for your overall well-being, um, you know, physically, you know, also mentally. And given the sort of current climate that the most of the world are in with the lockdown, with the COVID restrictions, um, yeah, anything you can do for your metabolic conditioning, your physical and mental state is, is a big plus. So you guys are doing great things. Um, so currently... How's your training looking? Uh, I wish I could say that it's better than it was. Uh, so the the current state of affairs is that I'm training is, has recently been deprioritized slightly because um, I am so focused on moving the needle on proving grounds. Uh, I can even quantify it for you. Um, the last time I participated in the Open, I was in the 98th percentile, and I, I dropped 15% from that uh, this year. So the the extra time that I'm putting in proving grounds has to come from somewhere. Unfortunately, right now it's my training. Um, to to give you an idea, it's it's about four hours a week, um, mostly mostly strength bodybuilding with with a couple metcons thrown in here and there. Um, but long story short, it could and should be better. Well, look, you, you're still making it happen when you get the opportunity, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, you've got other priorities at the minute. So um, you've done this year's Open. I did. I did. Um, I, Like I said, I knew it wasn't going to be a, a very positive experience from a uh, numbers perspective. But I really did enjoy the workouts. Uh, I thought they were well programmed uh, in terms of, you know, the limiting it to equipment that most people had available. Also being a little bit creative, um, the the wall walk workout. I don't think anybody saw coming, but it it did the trick for sure. Um, when I say workout, I, I I literally spat my teeth out that morning <laughs> because. Um, I, I programmed myself the summer before. I thought, well, I need a bit of a finisher. So I thought, oh, no, I'll program myself 100 wall walks for time. And, oh, my God, I, I quit on 60. And I remember getting I remember getting to 30 thinking, gee, like I was, it was in the summer. I was dripping with sweat. It was at the end of, like, a strength and a conditioning piece. And I, I don't know what come over me, but I just remember, couldn't believe how hard they felt. And I knew that that would catch a lot of people out this year. You know, seeing wall walks is almost like a, uh, it's, you know, a warm-up or a progression for handstands. I just knew that would get people. And uh, he's, got this, he's got this magical wave, Castro, of just finding these, uh, you know, dropping in a little movement that hardly anyone would be doing or practicing on. You know, everyone's trying to do burpees and thrusters, trying to predict what the open workouts are going to be. And then he drops wall walks on everyone. It was just like a yeah, magical moment from the from the man that, that creates all the pain. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a good workout. And honestly, my my favorite though was was the last one. Uh, I cannot wait to get into a gym and, and do it properly. Um, ended up having to do it outside where I have a pull up bar, but doesn't really allow for for bar muscle ups. But um, it just you look at it and you're like, that looks like fun. I can't wait to sink my teeth into that. Um, so yeah, looking for forward to the day where I can get after it. Yeah, that, that 30 number is such a great um, sort of benchmark point, isn't it? Um, you know, for, for anyone who's ever done the 30 muscle-ups um, or, you know, grace 30 cleaning jerks for time, uh, 30 is that number that on paper doesn't seem that big, does it? Mm. Uh, but then when you get sort of um, 15, 20 into it, then, yeah, it, it catches up with you and uh, lets you know that, yeah, 30 is, 30 is a tough number. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing grace for the first time, 30 clean and jerks for time, and I looked at it. I maybe been doing CrossFit, like true CrossFit, for three to six months. And I was like, come on, easy guys, only 30 reps. And so I, I started touch and go for like the first 10 reps. <laughs> and then I just stared at the bar for like the next two to three minutes. I was so gone. Um, yeah, eventually I learned how to do it right and then got my time down to like a three minute grace, which I'm, I'm okay with. Um, but, uh, it's one of those, those beginner moves that you, you come out way too hot and the coach just laughs at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's something about those open workouts that you tell yourself you're not going to come out too hot. And then, um, because of all the buzz and the hype around it. And you see, you see the pros do it, and they make it look so effortless, so easy. And you, you sort of think, oh yeah, okay, I could do that unbroken. Or and then, you know, you get a few minutes into it, and you realise you've you've gone too quick, too soon. Um, it reminds me of a workout actually, and I'll share this story with you. So I was in a local competition um, at, at my home gym, and the opening workout was Grace and then Isabel. And there was a, I think it was a, a 10 or 12 minute time cap. And obviously you had to get through it as much as you could. And my sole goal was just to make sure that I got at least one power snatch in Isabel. And uh, I think I got two or three, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous. You know, coming off of, of Fran straight into Grace uh, and then trying to sort of keep some sort of technical ability in, in getting the snatch up for the reps on Isabel. That was a that was a funky um, sort of few ten or twelve minutes. That yeah, that's nasty. That's really nasty. Uh, that's uh, it's almost worth putting on the proving ground page. It's so bad it is. Why why not? Someone will statistically <laughs> find some some pleasure in that in that um, in that level of uncomfortableness. But it was um, yeah, it was a great workout and. Uh, you know, because most people will listening to this that have done CrossFit and the workout Fran will know that that feeling after um, can get gets worse. You know, after the workout, and to you know even consider doing another hero workout after that into another. You, um, yeah, it's it's fun. But your lactic acid enjoys it. Put it that way. <laughs> I bet. So um, talk talk to me a little bit more about about the program and and, and you know if someone coming onto your uh, program what can they expect? Yeah, 
Yeah, one of the one of the core pillars is that we're trying to find balance in everything that we're doing. Um, even if you might look at the page, the Instagram page, you'd be like, oh, this is all Metcons, right? But that's that's just a tiny fraction of what we're doing. In fact, our, our overall aim is to create a balanced athlete across weightlifting, gymnastics, and conditioning. Uh, so from a performance standpoint, um, but also from a aesthetic, a long-term health standpoint, right? So I'm not interested in burning people out while they're 25 years old and then they have back problems for the rest of their life. Or I'm not interested in uh, you know, focusing only on performance and then people walk around with a beer belly. Um, so we're also looking at kind of finding just the right spot in terms of short-term performance, long-term health, and aesthetic profile. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the starting point from which we program uh, how that shapes up into actual workouts. Uh, they typically follow some structure where it's warm-up, strength, skill, con accessory mobility, um, which I think is, is fairly standard. Um, but as always, the, the devil is in the details. So um, how those those components are, are structured um, is is aimed at making sure that you look good, feel good, both in the short term and the long term. Yeah, that burnout's a big um, a big factor, isn't it? Have, have you personally had an experience of that? Uh, honestly, no. And I think that's because, like I said before, I, I tend to come back to bodybuilding once I once I reach that point where I'm like, you know, I've I'm maxed out right now in terms of CrossFit. Um, and then I'll, you know, I'll go solo for a while, do some, some hypertrophy training. And after a couple of weeks, I'll be like, okay, I want the, I want the CrossFit flavor back. Because right? the, the training styles are, are so different, especially if you're doing CrossFit in a class setting. Um, you know, it's such a, such a social experience. It's so competitive. Um, and you really, if you're doing it right, you leave every workout like, totally empty um whereas whereas bodybuilding it's usually a solo activity you put your music on um you know you you push to failure on those individual sets but then you rest and recover um so from uh, from a training standpoint two completely different experiences and i find that when i get to one i'll just go to the other and that kind of keeps me keeps me balanced moving forward mm. That's a really interesting uh, way to train, actually. I've never heard anyone um, sort of, you know, following that type of protocol, but it, it makes total sense to do that because, um, yeah, you're giving yourself a break from the intensity, but you're, you know, you're probably ramping up, like you say, the hypertrophy uh, levels of, of, you know, the bodybuilding aspect and, and getting stronger. Um, uh, there was a guy, actually, that um, from the UK who's, who's been to the games as part of a team. And he follows something similar, but he'll do six weeks, like a six-week block, and then he'll just have a total week off. Like he, mm -hmm. he might he might just mobilize, stretch, but he will not work out for one whole week, and he'll eat whatever he wants. And he's he's not, you know, by any means like a 
a pig just chowing down crap food. Now he, he might have the odd sort of treat meal or whatever it might be. Um, but he just said that six block and one block off has just kept him focused. It stopped him from getting injured. And, you know, he said by the time that end of that week has gone, he's not eating any more treat stuff because he's had enough of it and he's rare mm -hmm. to go for that next sort of block of six. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I try and program myself like a deload sort of week in where uh, I'd done something a couple of weeks ago where I literally just worked out with the bar and I call it barbell yoga. So I, I literally will not put any weight on whatsoever and I will make sure my technique is spot on, you know, everything from cleans to squats to uh, just, I've even done a piece before where I put the timer on and I told myself I wasn't going to put the barbell down for an hour and I was covered in absolute buckets of sweat um, where, you know, that was tough. That was tough, but really enjoyable, and I felt so loose after. Um, but yeah, like and that's one of the things that I love about training, and, and especially CrossFit and functional fitness, is that it's it's so varied, and you have the opportunity to self-experiment and you know see what works for you, see, see what stimulus you get from certain movements or ex exercises, you know, with different sets or intensities or volumes. Um, yeah, such a it's such a creative outlet for me, and uh, yeah, you can obviously hear that in this conversation today and see it coming through on your page. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, what what a healthy outlet, hey, to be able to experiment with your body. For sure, for sure, uh, I I totally subscribe to to what you just said. Um, I would say regardless of of what your your training protocol is. Every person needs to find that that balance and that rhythm that allows them to make it sustainable over the long term. So, for example, I, I know that if I train, let's say, six days a week after a few months at this point with, with work and everything else on top of it, I start to feel like training becomes a chore. Whereas I find looking at a, a long-term perspective, three-month, six-month horizon, if I just train every other day, then I'm excited for the training days and I'm excited for the rest days. And I could keep that up infinitely. Right? And obviously everyone is different, so some people may have a greater appetite to, to train consistently and some might have even less. Um, and I would say if you're, if you're in it for, for the long run, then you need to find that balance for yourself. Cool. You, you touched on something earlier, Phil, that um, I, I wanted to ask you a question. And I'm, um, if you're not happy to talk about it, that's fine. But you said you currently work for Adidas. Yeah. What, what sort of role is that? What do you do for them? I'm a director of tech project management. Uh, so I oversee a portfolio of software products um, that support our, our wholesale business. Um, that's a that's a fancy way of saying that we create like a an e-commerce site for our wholesale customers. So you you've obviously got an insight into um, you know the sort of sporting world from a commercial aspect from what you do in your main day job. Um, you know how, how is it like to work in such a, a large uh, brand as, as Adidas? Yeah. So Adidas has a has a very 
unique working culture uh, that I absolutely love. It's it's very um, up to the individual to to shape their career, which is great if you're if you're ambitious and hungry. Um, I I recently had the, the good fortune of uh, being promoted to a director uh, after only five years with the company, and that's because I said I was. I was looking for those opportunities, and I was delivering when I was given the chance. Um, so, I think from a from a career standpoint, it's an amazing company. The culture is also extremely um, open. I work with people from all over the world on a daily basis, which is which is fantastic. You get so many different perspectives and experiences that that are just uh, inspiring. To be honest, um, a lot of the colleagues I. I work with are are from Eastern Europe, and they grew up during during wars and like Eastern occupation and all of these things. Where I look at them and I say, we're now at the same place in life, more or less. But the road that you had to take to get here was cluttered with with so many more obstacles that I didn't have to get through. Like I have so much respect for for you being here um, and and the path you've taken. So. Um, overall, it's it's an amazing company. Uh, I, I I love working there. Uh, with that said, I'm, I'm actively working on uh, building up a page that will uh, allow me to to pay my own bills. So. Yeah, sure. You got you you got your own projects going on. Um. You, you there? Yeah, you're right. Sorry, mate, my screen froze then. Um, so do you, are you working with any sort of high-level athletes at the moment? Yeah, so we were working with uh, Tanya David's daughter last summer. Um, she just placed, uh, I think, like 1,028th in the world, which is fantastic. She's 24 years old, um, incredible athlete. Uh, and I would say right now, it's one of my, my main focuses is reaching out to, to different athletes and trying to, um, trying to set up a, a relationship that will work for both of us. Uh, we recently started working with um, Carrie out of Houston, Texas. She, uh, she placed number one in Romania uh, during last year's Open. Was excited to go to the games, and then <laughs> unfortunately that got canceled. So rooting for her to to make it back this year. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's the I think the next chapter for the page is to kind of authenticate uh, the brand and, and bring in some athletes that that are following the programming and and saying like, hey, this is real stuff. Um, these guys are are helping me get to the next level. Um, and that's, that's a lot of where my time and energy is going these days. I wanted to ask you about the pictures, the images that you post on the page, because there's some fantastic images, um, of, of some of the big guys. Um, do you, how do you sort of, do you get authorization to repost those from the, from the actual photographers themselves or do you interact with the athletes? I know you've, 
posted quite a lot over the time of Noah Olsen and, and Fraser, etc., and some of the big dogs, female and males from, from mm. the world. Um, yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, so we we don't hold the, the licenses to the majority of the images that we post. Um, from from our perspective, I see I see it kind of as a as a symbiotic relationship where we're helping athletes and photographers gain more visibility, and and we're getting a nice background for the image. Uh, we're also we're always extremely careful to make sure that we we credit the, the photographer and the athlete uh, in the caption. Um, in some cases, photographers have, have seen it differently and said, "Hey, please don't use our imagery." In which case, we basically put them on a, a no-show list where we, we won't use them. Um, and in fact, recently the the manager for, for Matt and T and a lot of the big names uh, also reached out and said, hey, please please stop using imagery of our athletes. So this is uh, this is something where we say, okay, if, if, you, if you like it, then great. If you don't, also no problem, we're happy to to not move forward in that way. Um, the uh, What I'm doing right now is is kind of setting up a, a hub for, for content creation ourselves so that we're, we're less reliant on the um, on the the grace of, of photographers and the copyright holders um, that we're working with our own athletes that, that it's branded content that we own the rights to. Um, and I think by the end of the summer, the majority of the stuff that you'll see on the page will be, will be stuff that we own. Cool. So um, the, the athletes that you're, you're currently working with, um, in, in, in what ways do you sort of support those? Is that through the free training or do you sort of help their um, costs in, into sort of trying to get them to the games, et cetera? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it depends on the athlete. In in some cases, we're we're basically covering their training via the standard proven training. If it's a, a really elite athlete, um, that is where their occupation is, you know, making it to the games. Um, there, we're engaging in conversations around. Okay, what would a, a custom coaching model look like? That's what we had set up with Tanya. Um, where we have a, a coach on our team, really working with them one-on-one -on, -one on a daily basis to, to tune the training to their, to their goals, to their strengths, to their weaknesses. Yeah. And how many people are behind the page, Phil? How, how big is the team currently? Yeah, so I would say on the, on the core team, it is uh, two people, and then there's, let's say, some, some extended involvement um, so I'm, I'm taking care of a lot of the, what I would call the, the marketing and branding aspects. Um, Miggy is taking care of all of the programming at this point. Um, he's getting some, some support here and there in terms of, uh, checking, you know, making sure that everything is, is presented correctly in the training program, um, that all the notes are clear and understandable, et cetera. Um, so Kelly and Nicole helping there, and then we've got some some guys helping out uh, part time in terms of uh, athlete collaboration and and putting together some videos for us. Um, so if you include everyone, uh, we're looking at about seven people. 
um, all to, to varying degrees of involvement. Yeah, cool. Um, Phil, everyone who comes onto our show, we ask a set of standard facing discomfort questions. Um, and there is no right or wrong answer to these. It is purely, um, you know, what, what relates to you. And, um, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to roll through these. These can be as quick or as slow answers as you want. Um, so this jump right in. So what is the one non-negotiable rule that you live by? Uh, I can do all things through Christ. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe one thing we haven't we haven't touched on much is that um, a lot of a lot of this uh, let's say this passion, this calling, whatever you want to want to call it, is uh, is something that I feel like is something that it's 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 my but others might call their purpose, right? Um, Others might say it's it's what what God is speaking to my life. Um, whether or not you're a believer, you can kind of make of that whatever you will. Um, but I I do feel like this is this is what I'm meant to do um, to help make the world a better place. And it just happens to be that through uh, strength and conditioning, uh, that's the the vehicle through which I can I can do that. Yeah, I think it's 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 an important aspect to to live in. Is that you're able to share and help others, you know, where you can, um, and you've obviously found a path that you're giving a lot of positivity to the world, um, you know, in a in a in a particular period where uh, the sort of media can spin quite some, you know, negative uh, stories across the world, and to be able to, you know, help people embrace their own biology and physical fitness. Uh, and you know, just offer, um, you know, whether it's the the passing follower uh, a free workout once or twice a week, or to offer someone who's you know very gifted athlete who's in the running to become you know potentially a games athlete with one to one, uh, you know, a training program. It must be very fulfilling, I can imagine, um, from getting all that sort of feedback and, and collaborations and working closely with these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the at the end of the day, uh, a lot of my my focus is about how we move the needle on the the number of followers, number of subscribers, right? But the the ultimate end goal is, is to help people live a better life. That's what it's all about. Cool. And I know you've got a lot of these, so I'm going to ask you to <laughs> narrow it down to one. Um, but with the exception of all things are possible with hustle and heart. Because uh, that is a fantastic quote, and obviously your tagline. But what what is your favourite quote? Yeah, uh, I've even got it on the wall behind me. I don't know if you can see it, it says, "Be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your heart on fire," which is very very much along the the same lines as the the tagline we spoke about. Um, but it's just a reminder to me to to don't let the possibility of fear or uh, failure hold me back. If if I think I can do it, if I'm diligent about it, it'll be okay. Just move forward. Success is not final and failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Mm. Which is one of my favorite Churchill quotes. Um, 
you know, and I used to be massively fearful of failure to the point that, you know, I'd almost get sort of anxious about, and then I had this sort of eureka moment and it was like, well, actually failure is just the road to success. As long as you don't give up at the first failure, then, you know, you should fail. You're, you're meant to fail because that's how you learn, you grow, you know, that's the experience, the hardship builds character where, you know, you, you hopefully don't repeat the same mistake again and you're able to become, uh, you know, like we say, that 1% better every day. Yeah, for sure. There's so many, so many good quotes of what we now consider successful people, you know, whether it's, it's Michael Jordan or, or Thomas Edison or people who really were at the top of their, their domain. Um, they say, I failed so many times, right? but every failure was a, was a learning to do it right the next time. Right? Um, and that's a, that's a, a big part of how I, how I approach pretty much everything that I do, right? If it, if it goes sideways, great. Now you know how not to do it next time. Um, next time it'll be better. What, what I like speaking or listening to sort of what's deemed successful people is that, that accountability and responsibility and how honest those guys are with that. You know, they don't play that victim mentality where, oh, it's not my fault or life's unfair or, you know, this is crap or whatever that sort of outlook is. It's, you know, this, this is my, my life, my goals. I'm responsible for, for making it happen. And, you know, if, if, if things don't go quite right, then like you say, you, you know how to fix it and you, you know how to not go down that road and, and restart and rethink and you know, redesign the, the, the project or the goal to, um, to get to that outcome. Mm. Dream car. You've got an unlimited amount of money. What would you buy as a dream car? It uh, it might surprise you, but my my dream car is a a Jeep Wrangler without the doors. Um, <laughs> so it's it's not so much about the, the car, but I think the the image that I hold in my mind of you know what I what life would be like when I have that car. So um, I, I kind of have a dream that at some point uh, I'll go back to Blacksburg, which is where my university was. Amazing town. Such a such an amazing feel to it, and it's situated in in the the Appalachian Mountains, where there's just nature all around. Um, so I like a picture of life where I I take the dog and I uh, we jump into the the Jeep with no no doors on it. We just go out in the mountains, go for a hike. Um, that's a that's that sounds like a nice nice afternoon. Yeah, that, that freedom of just exploring and, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, that's a great vision. That's a great vision. And I, I look forward to the day that you get there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, two dinner guests, either dead or alive, could be absolutely anybody in the world, but who would you invite? Uh, I think a, a really interesting dinner would be with uh, Jesus and The Rock. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Jesus, I think uh, the why behind that would be quite obvious. Um, basically get the answer to any questions you have. 
Um, but uh, it's it's kind of a, a dream of mine to to hit a workout with uh, Dwayne Johnson. So uh, I'm kind of implying that you know the dinner is a post workout uh, snack after we've uh, after we've pumped up a bit. I can see the three of you tuck it into one of these um, one of these well known cheat meals. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, we're gonna. Jesus, the Rock, and I are gonna go hit In and Out and get an animal style burger. Yeah, go and get one of these, these famous French toasts that are about a foot thick. Oh yeah. Um, what's your hype song or your ring walk song? So you're hooded up, gloved up. You're going into the cage or the ring. What would it be to to get you pumped up? That's that's honestly a tough one. I have a a workout playlist that's like 24 hours long, just full of, full of different workout songs. Um, you doing a full day of workouts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might be the, the next Proven Grounds workout, who knows. Um, no, I would say the, my all-time favorite is, is Lose Yourself by Eminem. Yeah. Um, again, going back to you asked earlier, you know, where, where did this, this heart and hustle belief come from? Um, Eight Mile came out like at a pivotal age for me. I was I was about ten years old, um, and that whole album is is just about you know pushing through adversity, following your dream, um, overcoming the odds, and it's still to this day one of my, my most played songs on the playlist. You can just hear pure raw emotion, can't you, from Eminem mm. in his early days. He's uh... A lot of people sort of, you know, w might sort of say that it come through as hate, but for me, like that, just that raw power of of coming from, you know, some people might sort of class it as a, a poorer background or from nothing, and, and you know, working his way up in a in a predominantly sort of black music genre, um, to be thrusted alongside Dr. Dre, you know, arguably the greatest hip hop producer that there is. Uh, and th that was a really magical time uh, for hip hop, uh, in my opinion, because um, you know that that the birth of Marshall Mathers or Eminem, as it was, you know, with with Dre's beats was just a game changer. And um, yeah, he's a very very unique artist. And uh, yeah, I think I think when we look back in a few years' time, it will definitely be seen as as one of the legends, and that'll be the glory days, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely. Those uh, all those albums, Marshall Mathers LP, Slip Shady LP, Eight Mile, ah, uh, just golden. I remember hearing the Slim Shady LP for the first time, and I was like, "What is this?" Like, I, I just played it nonstop for about a month, and uh, yeah, he, he, he was um, he was a revelation, I think, at that time. Yeah. Right, book you've read more than once, and why? Uh that's a that's a tough one. Um, I would say uh, there's a book by Yako Willink called Extreme Ownership that I absolutely love. Um, the the core thesis is you should take as much ownership for any situation as possible um, because uh, only only then can you really uh, affect future outcomes. And when you're talking about 
team building, what you essentially do is you create a culture in which everybody is looking at making everything better. Um, so right now, my, my new role at Adidas, I'm basically working as a team lead. And one of the things that I'm trying to do is um, create a culture where, um, you know, learning and growth is, is kind of the part of our, our daily conversation. Um, and I want people to feel like, hey, I'm going to take ownership of as much of this as I can, not push away responsibility, but say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it better. Um, and, and that was just a really, really beautiful book that, that I, I keep coming back to. I've read that book twice myself, and I, I definitely am not going to leave it there. I can see myself reading it multiple times. But I just love the way he, he starts off the chapter with you know a story from you know when they're back in uh, Iraq, you know, and they're going through um, you know a real sticky situation that's life and death, bullets flying overhead, and then um, it, you know just that the way he talks about clear and effective communication that mm. it, it, sometimes in the business world we love to chuck in these jargony words or you know business have their own language. Um, and we want to confuse the hell out of it to jazz it up even more. An actual fact, you know, we should be in making it as simple and as basic as possible, um, you know, to make sure everyone understands from from the floor to the to the, you know the the top boss that the goal, the vision, the plan is shared, and you know everyone is on board and everyone understands why they're doing it and what they're doing. You know, it's mm -hmm. such such an important part you know and the, the the old saying that communication is key to good business you know his his book just um really rams that home that um yeah human beings we love to we love to overcomplicate things right yeah yeah i fully subscribe to that um the the clarity of communication piece uh the the ironic thing is that I work in a tech organization, but I have no tech background. And so one of my, my greatest weaknesses, I would say, is that I'm not a subject matter expert. I've never been a developer. Um, so a lot of what's being discussed is really not stuff that I'm picking up. Um, ironically, that, that weakness has also been kind of transformed into one of the the things that makes me strongest in my role, uh, which is the feedback that I've gotten, uh, is that I'm able to bring clarity to situations. And that's because I have to have to simplify things to such a degree <laughs> that I can uh, I take all of this really complex implementation uh, jargon and I say, so what you're really saying is we need to do X, Y, and Z. And then everyone's like, yes. Okay, great. Let's go forward. Yeah. yeah, and I think people welcome that these days, you know, um, because we we do get caught in in our own sort of world and, and hype, and we do need to just break it down sometimes and take a couple of steps back and just lay it out. You know, uh, I think it's an Albert Einstein quote that says, "If you can't explain something to a four-year-old, then you don't understand it well enough." And you know, you should be able to convey that message in in a couple of sentences. This is why, this is what we're doing. So, Absolutely. 
Um, what do you do when you start sort of feeling down or a bit off? Uh, well, it depends on, on why I'm off. Uh, for sure, the, the, the first thing that I, that I resort to is, is just go hit a workout. Right, even before this conversation hit a long work day, I was like, okay, I need to clear my mind a little bit. So I got on the bike for a few minutes just to get some of that um, anxiety out. Uh, the other, the other thing that I've I found extremely helpful for me is if I if I feel like I have a lot just floating around in my head, and I just write it all out. Um, whether that's a to-do list or I'm just like writing stream of consciousness, it's extremely cathartic to to get those ideas out on paper, uh, which which I think is, is so overlooked because it's so simple. Right? Yeah. But uh, if, if you've ever gone through that process, you, you realize how incredibly powerful it is. I'm, I'm old school, Phil. I'm a pen and paper type of guy. And uh, yeah. I started journaling this year and I found so much um, positivity from it, from giving myself daily perspective, um, from you know, your, your, your affirmation, to you know uh my act of kindness for the day you know what, what was my good deed um what went great what am i looking forward to what am i grateful what do i want to get out of today how am i going to make today great and um you know initially i was a bit skeptical i'm not going to lie um but you know very quickly within the first few days of, of doing it i found so much uh, benefit uh, and you know really really um enjoy it and i can see that it's something that i'm going to to keep on doing and I've always been a list man because I enjoy the satisfaction of ticking or crossing yeah. that job off uh, and yeah so maybe maybe interesting for you I, I'm not getting paid to do this but uh, I have something called a full focus planner which is absolutely incredible um, basically every day is, is kind of written out in terms of you know what are the big three things that you need to get done how are you gonna prioritize your day? It helps you do that on a, on a weekly, a quarterly, and a monthly level. Um, and if you if you like pen and paper, if you like writing things out by hand, definitely check that out. It's an awesome tool. Cool. Yeah, I look that up for sure. Um, number one, the life hack. What do you do that makes your life more efficient? Oh, man, I think I gave the full focus planner example just a second too early. <laughs> um, yeah, I would maybe maybe a spin on that. So there's uh, this, uh, the planner kind of tells you to, to do a weekly big three and then a daily big three. So those are the, the three things you need to get done that week. Um, and again, it's just a very simple tool to help you prioritize through all of the hundreds, if not thousands of things you could be doing with your time. Yeah, um, and it, it helps you find clarity in the chaos. Yeah, so uh, you know, three things a day is is more than achievable, isn't it? Um, you know, and I'm not saying that you're going to have a perfect day every day, um, but to just give yourself those visual stimulus. And I was listening to um, he's a professor a guy I was listening to the other day, and he, he was just saying about the stimulus from going from thinking to inking. And he said, once that pen strikes hit the, that hits the paper, 
it's almost like that decision's made. Like I'm not mm. just thinking about doing that. I'm going to go and do that. And it's that, that sort of crossover barrier for me. And uh, a while back I was having trouble sleeping and I was having sort of so much, I'd wake up in the middle of the night between sort of three, four and AM and I'd have all these mad rushing thoughts just sort of whizzing through my head and my brain's tick, 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 tick. So, um, someone told me about the technique called mind dumping. So if you, if you ever do sort of wake up and you've got racing thoughts on your mind, if you, if you have a pen and paper in your drawer, in your bedside drawer, and you just write whatever's down, you're able to sort of park it. And nine times out of 10, you're able to sort of drift back off to sleep. Um, so I found that a really sort of handy tool um, for, you know, periods of, of, you know, having poor sleep that I could literally just mind dump. And knowing mm. that when I wake up, you know, what's been on my mind during during the early hours, I've got it prepped to, to sort of wake up and go with. Yeah, I, I do something similar. So fortunately, I don't have the sleeping uh, aspect of things, but I'm glad you got that under control. Um, but I, I do tend to like hyper fixate on something. When, when something's on my mind, that's that's all I'm thinking about uh, to the the disdain of my wife who's still talking to me and missing everything she's saying. Um, but I, especially if it's something where I'm maybe weighing the pros or cons of something or trying to make a decision, I, I've come to the point where I realize this decision is not getting made unless I sit down and I write it out. Mm. Because in my head, I will, even if I come to a decision, then I'll, I'll go back and, and kind of reconsider everything. Uh, but once you've written it out and you see it and you can retrace the logic, then, then it's done. And it's so so freeing to, to be able to kind of close that door and say, okay, now that's done, I can think about something else. I think it was Thomas Edison that when he had a problem that he couldn't solve, he would sit back in his chair and he had these two great big sort of um, metal marbles uh, or and he would set up a saucepan underneath it. So when he's sort of drifting back and he's trying to think of this problem, he would drift off to sleep and the marble would hit the saucepan and wake him up and then he he, he would have the answer in his mind and um that sort of saying like you, you know when people say um i'm going to sleep on a problem or uh, you know um the french actually say i'm going to sleep with the problem uh, mm. they would because they're so uh, passionate about things but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah sometimes you just need that that break to give you that clarity moment. Um, mm. That sounds like a whole new other podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, favorite film? Um, let's let's say that favorite is a, a category, so it's not an individual film, but it's a group. Um, then definitely in that category is the original three hundred. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember watching that. I think I was like in middle school at the time, and I, at this point, I was not into fitness yet. But I was like, <laughs> I'm about to be. <laughs> you know, you just you come out of that movie and you're like, I need to, I need to go to a gym right now. Um, you, and it's, it still does the trick. Did you ever do the 300 test? The 300 test. Yeah. So, 
Jim Jones, uh, are you aware of the Jim? Jim Jones? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they they famously trained all of those actors, uh, and they put them on quite a strict sort of calorie deficit. Uh, typically only eat once a day um, and it, it would just be like the sort of basics to get them through to sort of shred them up so they was almost living that warrior sort of life mm. um, but by the end of the training they put them on a it was a 300 rep uh, workout and you had to do it in sub 19 minutes and it's a various I think it starts with 25 pull-ups and ends with 25 pull-ups but it's a breakdown of 50 sort of movements um, bit sort of bit like a, a, a station. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the goal was to do it in sub-19 minutes, and I think I had about two or three attempts and finally broke that mark. Um, but it's, it's a great workout. It's a fantastic workout. And, uh, you know, back for me back then, I suppose, that was like an early CrossFit sort of benchmark out, uh, benchmark mm -hmm. workout for me. But, uh, yeah. Cool. yeah. I'll have to check, have to check that out. We, I just uh, remembered... Uh, over a year ago, we posted a workout called Leonidas, and I'm um, looking it up right now. It was a uh, 300 calorie C, 300 box jump overs, and 300 wall ball shots, broken up however you want, um, as, a, as a partner workout. So fortunately, you weren't responsible for all 900 reps, but um, that's definitely one where I would say to my buddy, before we hit this workout, we need to watch the movie so we're properly motivated for it. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that movie will fire you up for sure. Um, I'd done Double Murph last year. And before that, I watched the Lone Survivor film. Mm -hmm. And you, I can't help but I'm even getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. But um, I've, I've read the book by Marcus Luttrell, who is, is the last survivor or the lone survivor. And he was recently on Joe Rogan's podcast. And, you know, just hearing that guy talk about uh, that experience of, of, you know, he, so he, he, he used to draw a line in the grit and the dirt and pull his body over and then draw another line and pull himself over. Cause he was shot, I think five or six times. Um, and, and, you know, in reality, what that guy went through on that mountain, um, you know, him still, still being here today and being recovered by the elders of this ancient Afghan village, who've got this um, ancient sort of rule that if a if a foreigner or a visitor comes into their town, that they have to help them. Um, it, it it made me laugh because he said he was he was literally trying to drink his own blood. His blood was that congealed that he he was so um, dehydrated that he couldn't drink his own blood. And he thought he'd found a river, but he was hallucinating and he didn't really know what was going on. And he was at the point that he was, you know, considering giving up. He'd been crawling for about three days. And then all of a sudden this, this Afghan elder was in front of him. He was going, shampoo, water, shampoo, water. That was the only two English words. No. And he said, like, he, he didn't know whether he was, he was sort of passing out or he was hallucinating again, but he was just like, just take me. Like champagne water, champagne water. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch I watch that movie every year before Murph, and every year I feel like it's incredible what what the mind is capable of if it has to be. Mm. Right? So, along the the theme of, of chasing discomfort, right? If I if I then 
take that into the workout the next day and I say, what you're feeling right now is, isn't pain, it's just discomfort, right? And my body can handle much more discomfort than my mind thinks it can, right? Just think about what those guys endured. Right? And as good as the movie is, I'm sure it's it's not a fraction of what actually happened, right? You, you just said three days of crawling through the mud. You know, you don't, you don't really even capture that in the movie, but um, that's, that's one of the, when I really try to push myself mentally in a workout, right, those are the kind of things that I remind myself of, of like, this is nothing yeah. compared to what some people have gone through. Mm. It, it's an honor, isn't it, to, to be able to throw down in someone's memory and to mm. be able to have the ability still to do that because, you know, clearly those guys have paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and you know, put their life on the line uh, for their country and their service. And, you know, to be able to just show that um, short time in your life to be able to honor those guys by just completing a workout like you say, it doesn't matter how hard or how funny you look after them air squats when you go out for that final run. You, you know, like uh, those guys have paid the ultimate sacrifice. And if you if you if you can't get through it, thinking of of, of those guys, then um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's there's a there's a lot deeper to it than just a workout, in my opinion. It's um, mm. a very humbling act that you can do to sort of remind yourself how precious life is. You know. Uh. Sure. Um, so moving on then, do you have, or if you did, what would be your spirit animal? Spirit animal. Uh, man, oh man. Um, my spirit animal. Right now, because I have a 16-month-old, it's probably a unicorn. Um, I, I have more unicorns in, in my house than you could imagine. So... <laughs> Uh, that's that's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I've got a four-year-old daughter, so I can yeah, I can understand probably. Um, it, it, they don't go away, mate. They don't go away. Be <laughs> prepared for the next few years to be surrounded by unicorns and reading unicorn books every night. Um, what's your mantra when the going gets tough? People with less have accomplished more. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one for me. Um, I kind of touched on it earlier when I, when I talked about some of my colleagues at Adidas. Um, I, I've been extremely blessed to have grown up in a good family that, that only wanted the best for me. And they, they made opportunities for me that not a lot of people had. Um, so I, I almost feel like it's it's my responsibility to honor the, the many little sacrifices that they made um, and and make the most out of my life. Right? And then I, I look at all the people around me that that have done so many great things with so much less. And then I say, what excuse do you have to not do something amazing? One of our taglines uh, for the Chase and Discomfort pages, and I'm going to swear here, so apologies up front, but it's fuck your excuses. And that started out as a tagline for myself 
because you know I would put too many hurdles and excuses in, or it's or it's too cold outside, or it's raining, or it's windy, or I'm aching a bit. You know, I'll I'll, I'll put it off, and like in the end. I was driving myself balmy with with all these excuses, and it's like, um, yeah, like you your line there um, is is a perfect example, really, of you don't all, all the stars do not have to align; they do not have to be perfect um, every single day, every single time. It's just you know, be thankful for the opportunity and and mm. just go and, and and do it. You know, um, yeah. Right, let's switch it up a little bit then. So, what's your favourite sweet treat? Favourite sweet treat. Uh, we recently got surprised with a uh, chocolate bar that was about the size of a of a television. Um, it was ultimately comprised of like many smaller chocolate bars, but uh, in there it had like a a milka caramel bar and I think my my wife and I fought over that um, it, it did definitely caused some domestic disturbance um, but it was it was definitely worth the fight because it was it was incredible uh, and I've since said we're we're not buying any more chocolate because I can't handle that temptation yeah yeah we've just got done with Easter in our household and the amount of chocolate that the queen's got it was phenomenal it was it was unreal egg after egg after egg and um yeah it's uh, gonna be a lot a lot of catching up to do calorie burning wise for me this week yeah same here um if you had to pick one dinner for the rest of your life what would it be so uh my wife and i recently said hey you know the evenings are pretty stressful um, you know, we got to wrap up work. We got to put our daughter down. Let's uh, let's start shifting the big meal to lunchtime. So we started kind of making the the big meal of the day at lunch, and then dinner for months and months and months was just a couple scrambled eggs. Um, so I just based on that experience, I have to say, like uh, scrambled eggs with some some cheese and hot sauce is. It's kind of my, my go-to, and unfortunately, really the only thing on the menu if I'm cooking. <laughs> well, what a quick dinner, eh? You can probably rustle that up in, what, under five minutes? Yep, yep. So it's a, it's a go-to in the household here. Yeah. What's your favorite place in the world? If you could pick anywhere now to jet off to, where would you head? I uh, last week I said, hey, you know, why don't we, why don't we go to Mallorca for a couple months and we just work from there because why not? Um, it's, it's the same as, as sitting here. Uh, turns out the the houses that I was looking at were like twelve thousand euros a month <laughs> for rent, so I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier, eventually I'd love to move back to to Blacksburg. Have so many great memories there. It's a it's a university town, so like everybody bleeds maroon and orange on on uh, game day. The entire town is like full of this energy that is just incredible. Um, and 
like I said, geographically, it's it's really nice outdoorsy place. Um, so I think that's that's kind of my my sweet spot. Um, hoping that one day I'll make it back there. Cool. And one place you'd like to visit on your bucket list? One place I'd like to visit. Um, Kelly really wants to to go to Japan. So being the the good selfless husband, I think I'm gonna make sure that happens for the next couple of years. Um, and then hopefully combine it with kind of a, a trip through through Southeast Asia, hit up Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines. Um, that's that's pretty high on the list right now. Yeah, sounds good. You know the saying, Phil, happy wife, happy life. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what is your best and worst exercise movement? Um, I'm not sure if I if I have the best. I'm I'm <laughs> equally I'm equally bad at many things. Um, let's see. Well, worst. Let's uh, let's Just quick, yeah, one down. your your least favorite and your most favorite movement. Most favorite. Most favorite. Um, yeah. So I think the one I I have the most challenges with are. Uh, ring slips um, still still not getting as much of extension as I need to be to, to move my heavy body I'm naturally built kind of on the big side so all the, the body weight gymnastics stuff is is a little tough um, and let's say favorite uh, I love love power planes it's uh, uh, I tend to be more of a, a meathead naturally, due to my my previous life as a bodybuilder. So uh, I like all that that raw strength stuff. Yeah, I do like the power clean. I, I kind of like everything from the hang as well, because that first part I seem to muck up everything in the lift. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite sport? Favorite sport. Uh, well, the the only sport that I, I follow actively is CrossFit. Um, so, not a not a very good German, I have to say. I'm not not super into to football. Um, even though I I do like I do like you know watching a, a game with my family. Um, I think when I'm when I'm in the states, I, I do get into American football a bit, but that's just kind of it's, it's part of the culture. Yeah. You know, you, you go out on a Monday and everybody's talking about the game. So it, a lot of it depends on, on where I'm living at the moment. Uh, as much as watching the game, is kind of the social aspect. That's, that's really fun. Sure. sure. And final question for you, and the one that we're going to wrap up the podcast with. What advice would you give to a younger you? Uh, advice that I would give to a younger you is um, something that I'm, I'm still struggling with every day, but that's that's part of life is it's just finding the balance of things. Um, you know, as as we've called out, there's there's a lot of competing things on my on my radar right now. I, I want to do well at Adidas. I want to move the needle on green grounds. I want to be there for my family. I still want to be healthy and fit. And I want to do some stuff that 
adds absolutely no value to my life, but it's just fun to do. Um, and the daily challenge is to, to find the balance among all those things. Um, and most days it's, it's not right, but it's close. And I think that's, that's about all I can do. Um, just do my best. Yeah. Progress, not perfection, right? Perfect. That's right. Great stuff. Phil, look, it's been uh, a very insightful conversation, one I've really enjoyed, and I'm very thankful for you coming on, giving up your time away from your family and, and sharing your answers and your experiences with us. You guys are doing amazing work over there on the Proving Grounds page. So um, keep doing your thing, brother. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing for the world, you know, um, getting people active, giving people free workouts, especially at the moment, you know, when people are still locked down uh, in, at home with minimal equipment, um, you know, you are able to scale and, and work around that. So it's a great resource. It's a fantastic thing that you're doing. Um, just shout out, Phil, exactly where people can find out more about your page and your program and, and where you are over your socials and on the internet. Yeah, uh, so you can follow me directly uh, on Instagram at philip.stuki, uh, that's P-H-I-L-L-I-P dot S-T-U-C-K-I. And then, of course, uh, Proving Grounds, uh, all one word, no no spaces or periods on Instagram. Um, would, uh, would love to, to see you hit a workout. Uh, if you do, let us know how it goes. And... Uh, Thanks, Jay, for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Legend. All the best. Ciao.